0: foodie films is brought to you by the cage club podcast network for all things cage club related head on over to cageclub.me that's cageclub.me Hey there, foodie fans, and welcome back to another episode of Foodie Films. Of course, this is your host, your chef de cinema cuisine, Kyle Reinfried. What's going on? What's happening? How are you? Oh, man. The end of summer is near. August went way too fast. Way too fast. I, I don't know. Like, in July, I was like, okay, there's a good pace to it. And then, you know, I went away for almost two weeks. My, my European extravaganza. Then, ever since I came back, it's just like, boom, 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 boom. I don't know. What about you guys? Do, do you have, like, are your summers packed? You know, I've got people, I'm not, I'm not. this is not me bragging, no, hashtag humble brag. But it's like, every weekend is something. And while I'm lucky, and it's fun stuff, it's like, it, it just makes the countdown of the regular week so much faster to the weekend, it feels like. I don't know. Maybe it's just me and i'm just getting older and time is relative and i'm going to you know someday die and that's something i have to i have to reflect upon myself and not waste your time waste your your listening but anyway We've got a good one for you today. Ooh, we're serving up a good one. We've got the Godfather of Soul. I mean, no, 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 no. James Brown. We've got the Godfather of the Cage Club Podcast Network. That's right, Mr. Joey Lewandowski. We might have had him on recently for a short-order session, but I haven't had him on. I've been, you know, not from him, but I've been hearing you know, through the grapevine, like, Kyle, this is taboo. You haven't had the, you know, the Godfather on in like a year. And I'm like, I know, I know. I've just been, you guys have, you know, been listening. I've had some great guests, but I'm happy to have Joey back on. And we watched this great film. He brought it to my attention. He mentioned it to me a while ago. It's called Support the Girls, and I had never seen it. And then I forgot about it. And then I said to Joey, oh, I want to have you on. And I'm like, what movie Like, support the girls? I'm like, I'm sorry, I have a horrible memory. But I watched it, and I loved it. Spoiler alert, I loved it. It's a, it's a complex film in the, in, in the case of emotions, but you're going to hear all about it. So without further ado, here's me and The Godfather. I'm sorry, The Godfather. Joey, welcome back to Foodie Films. I mean, we just had you on recently for a short-order session, but it's been, as we said, it's been uh, over a year since your your Foodie Films debut. I, I So I apologize to The Godfather for that.
1: <laughs>
0: all the way back to episode two with Butter.
1: Now, I think the important thing to me is that both of the movies, and this is not important to me at all, but I feel it feels important, that both of the movies that you and I are talking about or have talked about are movies you did not know existed before this podcast.
0: No, I did not know. Butter came up in searches when I started, when I came up with the idea of foodie films. Like, Butter came up, and I wrote it down, and then, again, long story short, when at your house for the Cage Club, you know, barbecue, I saw that you had it, and I'm like, oh, cool, like, how about this one? But this yep support the girls, I, I even had to ask you, I was like, what what movie is it again? And because uh, it was not on my radar in the slightest, so thank you for bringing it to my radar. I mean, we're going to get into it, uh, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's it's a pretty terrific movie. But uh, yeah. also, if it does make you, if, if it makes it feel a bit more special, this is technically the second episode, since I'm still on a uh, every other week schedule, this is the second episode since the anniversary of, Ooh. yeah, we had, uh, that, uh of course it makes me feel special. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's an an we honor. Yeah, it's, well, thank you. Um, well, let's, you know, before we get into the movie, uh, I know I had you on for short order session recently and mm-hmm. we were talking and we, t- we talked about the, uh, the beer festival by or anything like that, but, uh, anything new to, new in the food realm, trying any new foods recently, something I like to talk about with uh, repeat guests.
1: Well, this is not intentional by any stretch of the imagination, but it will transition us beautifully into the movie discussion. I I went down to one of my favorite, I think probably what I said on my first episode, my favorite food city in Austin, Tejas, to visit my sister. And so I had some barbecue, I had some burgers, I had some tacos. I mean, this movie takes place down in... So here's... Here's not how dumb I am, but when I lived in, in Texas, it's not a chain that is national, but there's Twin Peaks, and they, I think, I don't know if you know Twin Peaks, but Twin Peaks is basically a Hooters. Okay. Um, That it's at least in Austin, if not regional to the South or whatever, I'm not exactly sure how widespread it was. I never actually went to Twin Peaks, because I've gone to Hooters a couple of times, I went to, what's the one up here, Tilted Kilts, which is the Irish or the Scottish version of it, it's all the same, like it's just, yeah. it's underwhelming food that you're paying more for because of the idea of like oh there's handsome people around yeah
0: right? I just read the term recently uh, restaurant obviously that's Ooh, that's that's okay. towards the women but there are male equivalents like tallywhackers and stuff like
1: that but a, and definitely in this movie, a, in this movie they, they, they reference uh, nut huggers nut too. huggers
0: yes all these clever clever names uh, of these delightful restaurants but um, so yeah continue
1: so I was leaving my my sister was going to a sort of a baby shower of sorts at a pool hall. So we went there and we played some pool and, you know, she hung out with the mother-to-be and I had some friends who I knew from town come over and on our way out, I was like, we should find a place for dinner. And I was like, oh, there's a restaurant called Twin Peaks. I was like, that's so cool that they named that for the show. <laughs> oh wait, no, I know exactly what that is. Yeah, I mean, Austin's so a very film
0: driven city, South by Southwest, yeah. Alamo Draft House. Mm-hmm. So that would be fair to Twin assume. Peaks, Twin of peaks, course. Yeah. I sort
1: of wish that I had gone to it once just to see if there was like any kind of similarity at all, but I never, it's just, it's not exactly my, my cup of tea. Um, I mean, not that I have anything against those kind of restaurants. I think I would love to go to Double Whammies because it seems like the waitresses here and the bartenders here are delightful, but I just, it, it never really came up in conversation. It was never like a, oh, like, you know, I worked at an office for you know, about a year down there. It was never like, oh, let's all go to Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Um I just sort of wish that I did, because I do like the show, and I like talking about the show, and I sort of wish if there was anything... Like, I would love, love a Hooter style restaurant, but, like, styled after Twin Peaks, like, where it's the red room, and people <laughs> walk and talk backwards, and, like, everything's just, like, uncomfortable and weird. Like, that's amazing. I would eat there multiple times per week, but I think this is just a, uh, hey, Peaks as a synonym, I guess, for breasts? I don't know. Yeah,
0: it's, uh, yeah, again, just, you know, uh, very, uh, smart, uh, title for a restaurant like that mm-hmm. um i mean even double whammy i guess that's supposed to be again saying about commenting on two breasts or quite possibly as brooklyn decker says at the end for uh yeah. what's what's the name of the man cave man cave uh, the
1: national chain man cave yeah. that they're
0: more they're moving more from breasts to ass but she's like oh you know like it's, still, but, yeah, it's, it's still, still a B. Yeah, but, yeah exactly. I, yeah, it's still a B. Um, but yeah, so uh, did you try any new places? I know I when I went, last time I was in Austin was for work, and I posted how I went to Voodoo Donut, and you, you were like, I got to give I'm you I'm
1: actually, hold on, literally right now, I will show you, I'll take a selfie of myself. Okay. I am wearing a Voodoo Donut t-shirt. Wow. That I got from... The original, the OG, oh. in Portland, Oregon.
0: Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I just, I just assumed it was in. Uh, it was, oh, I see. As a very. Oh, that's a cool. I like it. It's very literally simple. Literally
1: wearing right now, and on the back it says doughnut. So it says vu on the top line, do on the bottom, and then on the back, dough and then nut. So yeah, yeah, I'm I, literally wearing that right now. Yeah, it started in Portland.
0: Well, that makes sense. So when yeah. I
1: drove cross country, I went there, got a dozen, brought them to my friend. I feel like, at least the ones that I went to, like they were more. They were good, but I've had way better donuts. It's just the creativity and the imagination yes. and the ingenuity of it that's like, oh, this is cool. But I feel like as an actual donut, there was a I think a Korean owned donut shop in Austin, like in not anywhere near the city. Like it was sort of suburbsy, just on this like sort of like quiet but kind of like Main Street ish. And they had the best donuts I've ever had. Like you can have great donuts, but voodoo is cool, because it's like, oh, I want to get an actual donut that looks like a voodoo doll with a pretzel sticking himself in the heart. Mm, Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) Uh, I like the t-shirt. It looks very, it's like Scooby-Doo-esque. Yeah,
1: for sure. Um, But I did try some new places. I feel like, because like you, I think when I go to a city, you know, especially Austin, because Austin is the city that I, because my sister is still there, that I go most often, I like to sort of blend... The places that I know that I love, yes. with a couple of new places if I can. So every time I go down there, I get Rudy's Barbecue, which is gas station barbecue. They bill it as the worst barbecue in Texas, but it's the best. I love it. I also go to Hop Dottie, which is a sort of an upscale burger bar that I love. Mm. We also always go to Phil's and Amy's. Phil's is like a burger chicken burger shop, but I get a chicken sandwich there. It's the, the, one of the best chicken sandwiches I've ever had. And next door is an Amy's ice cream. This time I went to a place on South Congress called Gueros Tacos, which was oh, incredible. I th-
0: I of I'm so bad with names. I always have to look at. I'm gonna pull up my Austin. Austin and then and
1: while you looked now, that yeah. up, we had over on Too Fast Too Forever, the Fast and Furious podcast that I do with Joe. Too, we had gotten a recommendation because we sort of got into a burger debate about In and Out versus Whataburger. Oh yeah. And that somehow led to a taco debate between not really a debate, but between like torchies and fuzzies. And I went to a fuzzies down there, which was good, but not you know mind blowing. But we went to Gueros, and Gueros was awesome. Um, but yeah, so I, I just. I, I like going to the handful of places that I know that I love, because it's a it's sort of a known quantity, and even if I don't get the exact same thing every time, I know that the food is great, and I love, you know, like Rudy's, the roast turkey, and the sausage, and the creamed corn especially, and the banana pudding, mmm, delicious.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, no, I'm this as you said, like, I, I try to do the same thing, you know, unfortunately, like, a place like Austin the last couple of times, uh, well, last time i was there was for work and i was just like there for like only had, really had like a, a you know an afternoon a morning and an afternoon to do my own right. thing and so i went back to franklin barbecue because i'm just like gotta go to franklin barbecue it's more of a challenge than anything because of the whole like a ch- like i'm challenging myself because the whole the infamous line that uh, sure. builds yeah, up there like, you know I'm like, having
1: lived there i told you like I, have, I still have never gone to franklin's because it's I just, I never got over mentally waiting four hours for food. Cause I know that there is, you know, if, if that's an A plus, I know I can get like a minus barbecue with no weight. You know what I mean? In yeah. my mind, the four hour wait, it's like, I'm sure it's great, but it's
0: also, you know, I don't know. It's well, I mean, yeah, the barbecue is great. And I would, I wouldn't be someone that would wait in line that long if I'm just like for purely the weight, but it becomes much more. Cause like you go there in the morning and then people were bringing like boxes of, like, voodoo donuts that people are eating, like, it's, like, it becomes, like, ta- sure. a tailgating culture. Mm-hmm. So that, that that can be pretty fun. But then, I mean, like, uh, I, I think I tried a new... Oh, I went to Torchies Tacos last time. Yeah. That was someplace... Torchy's
1: is, Torchy's is good, but Torchies is, like, very in-your-face about how rich and kind of extreme it is. Like, I feel, you know, I can normally put away... You know, I'm really hungry. I'll do like, I'll order three tacos. Normally I'll like get two at a place, uh-huh. but Torchy's like, if I, I can't really go much beyond one because it's so rich yeah, and it's so aggressive in terms of the queso, in terms of the sweet, in terms of everything, like everything is sort of turned up to 11 to not to use an over overused phrase, but it's, it's so much. And I, I kind of, you know, I like Torchy's a lot, but I'd, I'd prefer other places. But what did you think of Torchy's?
0: I like Torchy's. I would almost do the same kind of comparison as what you're saying about voodoo. That they're trying to become, like, they're more inventive with their stuff than necessarily, Mm -hmm. you know, just make something simplistic and taste really good.
1: They had a a chicken and waffle taco, which was instead of a tortilla, it was on a waffle. Mm -hmm. And, oh, my God, it was, like, a waffle bottom with chicken and, I think, bacon and maybe an egg on there. And instead of a taco sauce, it came with a little maple syrup. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, the syrup. The greatest. (laughs) The greatest.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So that's the perfect, like, example of just, like, what they're doing Versus just, you know, making like a really good homemade tortilla and like carnitas or whatever, whatever putting it on the inside. Right. But, um, no, I know, i just thinking about like a uh, movie, TV related stuff. Or you saying like a theme related restaurant. Um, the second to last time I went for that, uh, bachelor party that I talked about and Brian talked about that you clearly, <laughs> po- to- no, we <laughs> talked about on, so about on so many Pet episodes. Podcast. Yeah, yeah exactly. There. It's just a, 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 a famous bachelor party. Not for any. Wild reasons, but just because we talked about it a lot. Um, but we we just happened. Someone happened to look up, and it was you know over like Halloween weekend, and this bar, Nickel C- Nickel City. Had you had you ever gone to it? No, I think I remember hearing you guys talk about, it, but I never went there. Yeah. What, what's the
1: what's the specialty there?
0: Well, uh, the. I don't know their usual specialty. I think it's just oh, it, was,
1: it was it was like a takeover or something. Yeah, right?
0: it, well they did uh they made it look like Moe's Tavern from the Simpsons. Yeah. So that yeah, was just it, a yes. really cool like that that would be I would love for more like theme I would be down for like more themed restaurants. I don't or like Well they were yeah. Permanently...
1: I don't know if you heard, but they apparently are doing a Friends for the twenty-fifth anniversary. I think maybe the first yes. episode of Friends. They're doing something in New York. They're doing
0: a pop-up there. Yeah, they've done it in L.A. before. Which Brian uh, Rodriguez, host of High School Slumber Party, my co-host for PS, I still love Hoffman, is you know very upset. We both very much love Friends, but he is a big you know Friends fan, and he's just like I don't get it. Like I know they shot in L.A., but it's a New York show. It should be the pop-up should be in New York. Like they had a. Um, Hopefully, with Coming to America 2 coming out, they will have another uh, McDowell's, and that will go into Queens, versus they had one popping up again in L.A. Like, right now, they have a, um, oh, God, what's the name of the burger, and we even covered the movie, I'm totally blanking on, Keenan and Kel... Uh, Good Burger. Good Burger, yeah. They have a Good Burger establishment popped up in L.A. right now. That makes sense, because it was California. I don't know. I just like it being... I understand L.A., obviously, movie, films, TV, all that.
1: Well, yeah, it's kind of the version like A24, who's one of my favorite production studios, is doing their A24 hashtag public access everywhere, and so they're just showing movies that they've made sort of in the location where they take place. Yeah. So they're showing... They showed Moonlight down in Florida. They showed Good Time, I think, in either Brooklyn or Queens They oh, show The Witch cool. up in Vermont and they're just very, they're basically building or renting out a billboard and they're just inviting like in a park or like a public space mm-hmm. and they're just showing the movie for free they're sort of having a little party and just kind of doing this like whole publicity something it's awesome that's really cool but I think that's really cool yeah. like when you're able to either pay respect like even if you know I, don't, I don't, it's not like they're making money on the Good Burger thing other than people paying to sort of live the nostalgia but whether you're marketing for yourself or just doing something that captures the the hearts and minds and memories of the people who want to attend, I think it's a cool
0: idea. Uh, so do I. I think that, I mean, we, we, you know, we live in a time where I think people are finding more, like, specialty things to do, and I obviously see it a lot in food and drink, and I think that that should translate more. I, mean, we def- I also see, like, you know, these pop-ups happening for TV shows or movies, and I think that would just be a cool thing to get people, I don't know, just, like proud of where they live or just I don't know it's just one of those things everyone loves watching something and be like I know that place I've been there and it just makes it like a more spe- you know you showed in the yeah. in the place where they filmed it it's a pretty you know special event, so that's... I'm just hoping that if
1: they do a McDowell's pop-up again in New York, you go there, because I think, the, still, the, my fa- I, as much as I love the first cut episodes, my favorite thing that you've done on the show is you going to McDonald's and getting the McDowell's version, basically, of the Big Mac. Yeah. Like, that was the, <laughs> the coolest thing that you guys did, and I want, I want to make sure that you do, I'm sure, I I know that you as an opportunist, and I use that in a a complimentary way, would not allow the opportunity to go by you without doing another follow-up, but that was still the weirdest and funniest, just like a seven-minute thing of you guys going to get burgers just like oh okay th- like this i'm go i'm literally on a journey with you right now so yeah, that, if they do one i hope that you give a, a foodie films redux and go for another burger that
0: oh definitely i would even love to i mean we'll make a podcast episode but i would definitely love to do a video for that that would be a lot of fun oh yeah um i was very tempted to like just fly out to la and try to do like <laughs> the good, go to a good burger or whatever if i found like a cheap flight and then i'm always thinking like well maybe if i go to this place and i find enough you know I'll set it up so I can find enough guests that I'll record with them out there and I can justify it or something like that but um maybe you know hey Let's get those sponsors, and maybe that'll start happening. Uh, Nothing but time. But w- So with this movie, Support the Girls, like you said, filmed in Austin, Texas. Um, they really didn't show... I mean, it's like the outskirts. It's just kind of like the, the highways going into Austin.
1: Yeah, you can see 35, yeah. but I think that if you don't know that that's 35, it's just a highway, right? Like, it's just... It's, it, it, they show Texas, I think. I think they hint at that it's Texas, but I don't know that unless you know the city... And what's cool about the movie, I think, is that for the most part, like, 80% of the movie probably takes place at Double Whammies. Yeah. You know, they go on a little bit of a road trip, but most of it's just in the one place, which kind of could be... You know anywhere.
0: Yeah, I was even you know, when you know watching watch the full credits and everything, and then I you know, I looked up you know location and it said purely Austin or whatever, but then you know it said location scout, and I kind of laughed. I'm like, well, that was a, kind of an easy job for this movie, uh, as oh, far as... Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, even one of the destinations that you know isn't uh, is also at, like a juice bar, so I'm a big fan of that. Um, but like we said, Austin. And as I said before, it's, you know, big, big moves, movie city, South by Southwest has had its premiere at South by Southwest. The director, writer, Andrew uh, Bujalski, I'm going to. Stuff like that, yeah. Yeah. He is the godfather of mumblecore. Uh, that's supposedly a, a title he's been given, which, if anyone doesn't know what mumblecore is, it's a subgenre of independent film. Um, usually, you know, Signs of it are you know, naturalistic acting dialogue, the, obviously the low budget, and those kind of things, which, uh, you know, this definitely had, you, you had your Regina Hall, and you had um, your uh, Haley... Well, Haley Richardson, yeah. my favorite. I was going to say, so did, I was going to ask you, did you find this movie because of her, and being in, I know you you really enjoy the movie, Edge of Seventeen.
1: right. So I don't remember, there's one of two ways, because this topped a lot, of, not at the top, but it was on a lot of best of the year lists oh, last okay. year, and I don't remember if I knew about it just from those, like it was getting buzz. I do love Haley Lee Richardson from Edge of 17, which I talked about with Brian on High School Slumber Party. She's also incredible in, I don't know if you've seen Columbus, uh, but if you've an architecture podcast, Columbus is a much must-watch. Oh, okay. Uh, Columbus is incredible. It's, it's her and John show. Uh, and it's it's one of the best movies of the last, like, decade. Wow. Okay, um,
0: I'll have to check it out. And
1: then I also love from this movie Dylan Galula, who is the new – she's Janelle. Um, she's sort of the new hire that shows up first. She's the early one. Um, she was on Kimmy Schmidt, but she's also just super funny on Twitter and, and Instagram, ah, okay. uh, Dylan Galula. But she's great. I, I definitely didn't find this because of her. It was either because of Haley Lee Richardson or because of just it, it having – Good buzz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was glad that I did because I think, you know, for such a small movie, I think obviously Regina Hall is like, you know, on, on another level here. Like, she's incredible in this movie. But I think that Haley Lou is so – she's like a force of nature. In this <laughs> she thing. really
0: like, is. She... <laughs> the
1: greatest thing I've ever seen in the movie. That's not true. It's a slight exaggeration. But, you know, Regina Hall's outside having a moment. Like, things are just breaking bad for her. (laughs) And she goes outside, and she's just, like, flipping off the sky, like, what do you want from me? And then Haley Lou comes out, and she just shoots the confetti gun, and she just says, you're the best, and we love you. And it's like, it's so purely positive. Yes. And I think what is wonderful about this movie is that this movie really does a great job of showing, like, the absolute best and the absolute worst in people. And I think that Regina Hall is just, like, doing everything she can to make sure that these girls who are working what feels like, you know, probably makes good tips because it's the kind of bar, but, like, a kind of a shitty job, but wants to make sure that no matter what happens, they have a good day, they have a good experience. She's trying to be the best manager she can be, and everyone intentionally or not, is just taking advantage of her. And it's just heartbreaking and I think that just her perseverance through all of that and the way that Regina Hall like portrays that and embodies that it's just amazing.
0: It really is. It I mean, I just I love the way this movie starts off, even from its title sequence that we have just a song playing very like diegetic and we're getting the highway sounds and even later in the movie, I think it's the last scene, she says, Oh, I love just the sound of the highways. It's almost like, you know, being at the beach and it'll, like, it'll yeah. put, it'll put me to sleep. It's like, it's put me to sleep. It's like hearing the waves crashing, but we just begin with that. And it's just even very like colorful. I'm, I was, I was kind of curious, like if it was everyone's like own signature, I don't think so. I think it was just, you know, different ways, but it's just c- colorful. It looked like just a, like a marker writing all the actors names and all the, you know, director of photography, so on and so forth. And then, right away, we get Regina Hall crying in her car, and we don't know why, and then we get the very, you know, happy uh, Haley Lou coming up, knocking, uh, you know, her character Macy knocking on the window, and then just giving her, you know, does she give her a hug right then? I know at the end, you know. I think so. Yeah, and at the end, a bigger hug, and she's like, oh, we're not even supposed to be, you know, doing this, but whatever, because at that point, Regina Hall is well, they've all. Well, she quit, and two of them have been fired. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just, and and then we just dive right into. I love movies like this that we just get thrown right into their world, and then thrown into Regina Hall as the general manager's position, right? Or is she, is she is she. They say general manager, but she's kind of like she the, is
1: general manager, but, yeah, but she's, she's the also the, the day owner.
0: manager and the night manager, or.
1: I don't know. I think that, you know, Cubby is the owner. Yes. And so he's he owns the establishment, and then Regina Hall is basically his second-in-command, and she's mm-hmm. sort of in charge. I think she just does the day-to-day. And whether or not she's the day manager or the night manager, I think she's yes, just the one kind of, kind of running the ship, right? And so there's, you know, probably other managers or whatever below her, but it feels like for a relatively small business, you know, it feels like it's Cubby, and then it's her, and then it's kind of the 8 or 10 or 12, or however many people we don't see.
0: Double Whammies is just a very... Well worn in local spot, and again, like just right off of a highway in the you know, the outskirts of Texas or outskirts of Austin, and it is you know this this movie as much as you said you know it shows the you know the best qualities and the worst qualities of people. It, it definitely, in my opinion, at some moments, because you know going into it, I was like reading a little bit it said you know drama comedy, and while there are a lot of, you know funny moments boy did this movie just make me depressed at certain points just even seeing again oh, yeah. from the people to the location just to like the the way that she's explaining so they're they're getting what I think at the beginning there's like five new possible hires and then she's keeping them on you know one of them leaves but then four of them stay to you know do this car wash because one of the workers the night before, ran over her abusive boyfriend and now is going to have court fees and all that kind of stuff. But we
1: don't really know that at that point, right? We just know that she was in a car accident and needed money. Or she she hit somebody with a car and needed yes. money. And then that's... yeah. And needed... I feel like that's the one part yeah. of this movie that is explained, but I think could have been done better, is that it feels like there's like a history there between Regina Hall and the boyfriend. And I don't know if... It was something that was cut out or something we're supposed to intuit that he's like a drug dealer or abusive or just a bad boyfriend or whatever. But I feel like knowing that she like when she sees him, she's like, oh, I know exactly what this is. And you're not getting the money. And I feel like, you know, you're on her side there. You understand why she's upset or, you know, you understand that she's upset and you understand that she is sort of righteous or right in, in being upset. But I feel like the articulation of exactly the backstory there, even if it was just like a scene or a conversation or something earlier, I feel like we needed a little bit more. But that's like my one kind of nitpick in this movie that's otherwise, you know, I think pretty great.
0: Yeah, it does feel a little bit, I mean, with the confrontation once, uh, you know, Lisa gets home and then what her Cameron isn't there, he left. But then it's just uh, what are their names? It's, Which ones? Uh, the the one the one that got with, that ran over her boyfriend.
1: Oh, I don't know. I just know Macy. I know. I know. I basically know the ones. I know like Macy and Danielle and Janelle. I don't oh, Shana. Okay. Well, I think that's also you know in terms of the names. I think what's really kind of not it's it's cliche, but in a funny way is that at the end when they're doing the the. Not the, I, I call them the auditions because it's basically, it looks like a casting it, couch, right? Yeah, like it it's, does, yeah, definitely. It's this yeah. lineup of, like, beautiful women in, like, scantily, or beautiful girls, essentially, like right? Like, all 18, 20, 22-year-old girls mm-hmm. in, like, scantily clad or sort of, like, revealing-ish, but, like, professional, but revealing attire. And all of their names are, like, Alana, Rachel. It's, like, all these, like, very cliche, like, just sort of kind of white girl, like, these kind of names, right? And I think the movie does a good job of sort of, characterizing people just based on their name alone. Like, I think for the people that we have, like, you know, Danielle and Macy and stuff like that, like, they're they're more grounded because they're actual characters. But I feel like to flesh out the world, I think that this movie does a really effective job of using names to convey sort of an archetype of who that person is.
0: Definitely. Um, and like you said, I mean, it does feel like them auditioning because even when they are in that hallway, the door opens a little bit and you just see... I guess whether it's the owner or whoever is deciding, uh, you know, for Man Cave is just, we don't even see his face. We just kind of see, like, his lower torso and him just sitting there, kind of man spreading. Yeah, behind just... a tripod, too. Like, there's yeah, a behind camera, the a tripod. These. Yeah, yeah it's, just, got a... Oof, it's gross. This movie does not necessarily paint the best picture of its male characters. We've got the one cop uh that's nice and Macy thinks is cute and but even at one point i think it's Danielle kind of noses him like you know staring at one of the like, one of the new girls or maybe that you know her ass and then definitely between Cubby and i mean patrons like that biker guy or the boyfriend uh of Shaney and people like that you know we're getting just not these good male figures which is, you know, I mean, fine, but it's just very, it just makes the whole scene just feel much more depressing. Just this very, I feel very terrible for the women in this movie. And I mean, and I think that's the point. I mean, like I yeah. said, I watched it all the way through the credits and it says at the end, uh, uh, for, four mothers. And then you just hear a male voice going, sweetheart, sweetheart, oh, sweetheart. And that's then the movie, you know. That's after all the titles, all the, I yep. mean, all the, all the credits. And mm-hmm. so clearly, this movie has a message. Yeah. And uh, what I mean, what do you, what do you think about that? What do you think I... of? Th-
1: I mean, I think it's just, again, the best and the worst in people because you have the customers, like you have the regulars and even the people who are like that they know are harmless, but like that video guy who just has a crush on the one girl and she's a mother, right? And she's got the, the son that she brings mm-hmm. to, the, to the bar and she's just trying to make a buck. And then she knows that she can sort of manipulate her relationship, if that's what you want to call it, with this guy to get a free sound system for the fighter, for the car washer, for whatever. And he go, they go over there. Danielle and and uh, Regina Hall's character go over there and the guy's just like like it's just it just I think it feels real and natural in a way that is uncomfortable and sad because he's like, Oh, you know, you don't have to worry, I won't do anything consensual I, I won't do anything that's not consensual with her. And Danielle's like, I, Yeah, I would kill you. Like what do you <laughs> yeah, I what do you like, that's not even, like, that's not even In my head. Like what yeah. like what do you think is gonna happen here? Like we're in your place of employee we're not going to have sex. Like I'm watching your stupid thing to take advantage of you. And you know that, but like, it's just this, what feels like he says it sort of as a joke and sort of as a harmless thing, but it's also like, Oh no. Like that's just kind of the, the mindset of like a, Oh, I still think that I could have sex with this woman here. It's like, well, no, 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 not, no, not even a little bit. And it just, I think it's that in many different facets, many different ways that make you feel empathetic towards these women and towards, you know, all women in all retail. Like, I'm not saying, because I think this is like the bare minimum, but I'm not saying that I'm like a, a, you know, beacon of goodness. But I know that when I was working at Best Buy for like a year out of college, Mm -hmm. there were, say there was 100 100 employees in the store, like 90 of them were dudes, right? And I just knew in my mind, like I know that, you know, I'm spending time with these people every day, and there were cute girls there or whatever. But I was like, I'm not going to even like flirt with them, like even like harmlessly, because I know that like that's what they're dealing with all day by the other 90 employees and by everyone who goes in. They're like, oh, like this girl likes video games. Like, oh, she's the one for me. It's like, well, no, dude. Like she, like, and that's just amplified across everything in all facets of life, right? But especially in retail, especially in a world like this where the girls are being paid by you know their their job is to be friendly and flirty with you so that you upsize to the big ass drink and give them an extra 2 bucks tip right like it's yeah,
0: friendly flirty and wearing you know skimpy clothes exactly
1: and just it's so like they're basically it's not saying that you can't hit on a bartender hit on a waitress it's not like you can't develop a relationship with them or a friendship but it's like just treat them like people like it they're not they're not smiling at you because they like you they're smiling at you in theory because it's their job and because they might get a couple extra bucks tip and it's not manipulative it's like it's the experience you're signing up for and i think that's what they talk about early in this movie where they're saying like you know if guys want to go to a strip club they know where they are they come here to be yes. taken care yeah. of by cute girls who want to like attend to their needs or whatever and that is what it is but i think that at its core, like, that's the selling point, right? That's, like, that's what their mission statement is. But then you have guys come in here, and they're like, oh, you're ugly, you're not hot enough, you're blah, 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 you're too fat, and it's they it just the insidious nature of, you know, toxic masculinity, fragile male ego, all that stuff, or just, like, normal, everyday, low-key creepiness and just degradation and sexism bubbles up, and it's like, oh, no, these, these people who are mothers, who are daughters, who are friends, who have... A full life, a full story, a full ecosystem. Whatever. It's like they all have to deal with this literally every day, and it's terrible.
0: It is, and it's, and it's even sad at the end. I mean, they have a strong moment, and I mean, our uh, our three main characters of Lisa, Danielle, and Macy, of just screaming off of that rooftop of the building where, the, you know, Lisa was applying and pretty much Macy and Daniel were, as you said, like, auditioning for those roles of the, you know, at uh at Man Cave. But... Danielle says to Lisa, like, oh, don't be mad at us. Like, and don't, you know, don't be angry. She's like, you know, and, you know, because Lisa keeps going, like, you've got a son. Like, you can't afford to, like, go ahead and do something stupid like that and lose your and lose your job. And she's like, there's plenty of shit jobs out there. And that moment, like, while she's trying to make, <laughs> like, Lisa better. And it probably, and it probably did, because Lisa knows then that that's true. Right. Just made me feel just so just horrible just that like because again because it is true and that is just like she you know i mean because lisa is talking i I can't remember the son's name danielle's son's name but you know she's right i think yes yes and she's being you know very kind with him and being you know just like almost you know like like an ant figure in a way and while they're waiting for one of the employees that has her you know her day off to come and pick him up because he's not feeling well and so you know but he can't say that uh double whammies but you know she's talking to him while he's coloring and like oh why can't that you know is that ninja we don't know is that a woman and even the boy goes like oh she doesn't have boobs like it's just we were hearing in an early conversation from him like that's you know a key thing that we you know associate yeah that's oh yeah that's that's a woman a woman has boobs and but you know clearly has a strong woman in his life and as as uh you know his as his mother and she'll do anything and take these shit jobs because you know they she sees and says like her son is so smart and so kind and we just hope that that you know by her sacrifices that stays on the same path and i don't know like maybe this is something that as a son you know andrew Buj- bujalski witnessed you know maybe this was or maybe he's just He had an aha moment, a, you know, I mean, a a word that's just a little overused now, but a woke moment and realized, you know, yeah, these are, this is something that a lot of mothers and, you know, parents and, you know, parental figures are doing. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, uh, (laughs) it's kind of a bummer for him because he's got
1: such positive female role model around him. Like I know that his mom is. You know, working in this kind of restaurant and everything, and she's just trying to make a buck. But, like, even the new girls are like, oh, at the car wash outside, like, there's a guy with a Hummer, and we thought that he might want to see it. Like, they're even, like, people who don't know the kid are kind of looking out for him. And so it's just a bummer to see that from a very young age, even with all this positivity and these, you know, positive role models around him and sort of examples of strong, kind, loving, giving women, that he's still differentiating. You know what I mean? So,
0: yeah. Like, when they come, when, uh, Danielle comes back over from that, you know, the, like, audio, vi- you know, video store, and uh, and says to Lisa, like, oh, yeah, you know, we got, you know, we got the speakers, we just got to give them free lunch for a week or whatever, and she looks, you know, at, at, uh, at her kid and goes, y- you realize your mom is Wonder Woman? You know, and just, like, there is that, you know, like, they're trying to make, you know, this aware to him, but, you know, I mean, certain things... That's I'm just even realizing more. And more I'm just it's it's kind of in my mind more and more. I mean, just in general nowadays. But uh, having uh, a one-year-old niece and just thinking about her and who she'll grow up to be, and just all like the you know jerks that are out there, and just like what you can do to prevent it. And you just even think from a kid standpoint, like you can. From you know, like you can teach your kids the right things, but they're going to learn things from other kids, and quite possibly, you know, like he's hearing at school, like yeah, girls got, you know, girls have boobs, and boobs are, you know, awesome, and that's what they are, and the, you know, the, the and just such a wrong face value. That's you know, just painting the completely wrong picture of what every pretty much every woman is doing in this movie. Besides, I guess the you know, we see we even see it in that tragic character of Shayna that she ran over her boyfriend but now you know he was there and he was on crutches and he's being a complete asshole and you know uh but there i mean i'm try let's try to think of some of the Funnier uh parts, like you said, like I love that moment with Macy where she just uh, you know <laughs> jumps right outside and. Well, I remember uh, there's a
1: couple. There's a couple of Macy quotes that there's where the you're the best and we love you. There's number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one where she's just walking through, and then Regina Hall's like, "Oh, you know, this is sisterhood, right, Macy?" And she goes, "Sisterhood, woo!" And just like there's the passion, there's the excitement there, and then she's just all movie long, she's drinking chocolate milk. And yes, this is also <laughs> a character who is has developed a relationship with what feels to be like a seventy. 70 65, 70 year old man, the professor Mm -hmm. that they call him. um, And she's dating him because he treats her well. And it's just like, well, she's not that that's not going to work, but it feels sort of misguided. Like she's sort of lacking a father figure or she's lacking, you know, Genuine affection in her life, or whatever, and it's sort of like her her character is complex and feels real because of that flaw. Like otherwise, she's just like this bundle of pure energy, and mm-hmm. you know she's drinking chocolate milk all movie, and she's like, and Regina Hall says, I don't know how you can drink that. She's like, oh, chocolate milk rules. Like it's just like this, like really sweet, earnest, like really kind of embodying this young girl, and then I think she's. A lot of the characters in this movie are kind of like like an onion that like they have layers to peel back and everything. But I think that when Regina Hall quits and she's walking out, and then her car needs a jump, and then Macy comes out to jump her car, and then like you can sort of see that like they peel away the veneer of the like basically bunny rabbit exterior of Macy, right? Like I'm, I'm sort sure. of outside. You're not my boss anymore right now. I'm gonna be real with you for a second. I'm dating the professor, and she's like, everybody else knew. I'm so sorry. And I feel like there's that layer, and then there's just like the added complexity under that of why she's dating a professor. And I think that there's, you know, I I know that we, you wanted me to sort of say that the funnier things, the more uplifting things, I sort of got to this dark, you know, pit at the core of this character. But like, I just think that, you know, there's so much going on there with her that it's, It's this, you know, she's the most uplifting and most exciting and most energetic of the movie, but then you sort of chip away at it, and I think that's sort of, she's sort of emblematic of both everyone in this movie, but also just of everyone kind of in this profession, right? So, I don't know.
0: Definitely. I mean, even in that last scene where she goes up on the roof and she first does her, you know, like scream but it was you, and and danielle just goes like no that's like a party scream and danielle goes up and does you know like a like a warrior scream just like a real vetting you know of emotions scream and then macy you know then mimics her and then lisa finally gets up and they're all like screaming together just getting just everything that we just experienced with them in that. I mean, that's a later day, but you know, the day that the, you know, this movie for the most part takes place in a day. And obviously everything before that, that everyone's been dealing with just as far as Lisa dealing with Cameron and wanting him to be more open. And I mean, it is, it's a, it's a great movie to watch for, for men to watch to understand that. I mean, I know Brian and I have talked about this on uh, definitely PSI uh, still love Hoffman just because of the roles that Philip Seymour Hoffman took and the the vulnerability and saying, and while, I mean, maybe we say it sometimes in not a joking tone like that. We're not, that we don't mean it, but cause it is awkward to talk about, but like this movie is showing that like men can be vulnerable to and and should be and should express their emotions and that's all she wants to him because there was the one line that i wrote down from this movie was something that lisa says to him and she put i can take fucking up all day but i can't take not trying yeah and that is just i mean something that i also believe in i mean i'm i am i can be very guilty of being a procrastinator or just you know or being lazy but i don't think i am at least when it comes to my relationships with people maybe when it comes to you know like Work and obviously editing podcasts sometimes, <sighs> uh, you know, and stuff like that. But I think at least, you know, but the, the main thing with this movie is just saying, and what Lisa is really saying, like, by saying we're a family is like, you gotta be there. And she's yep. just not getting that at home. And when she goes to leave, when she, you know, quits and then Macy has to jumpstart her car, she's like, oh, maybe I'll just go home. And have a, you know, try to have a conversation with him. And then, but when she does get home, she finds out that he did leave. I mean, he left the laptop where she said, you just always are spending time on the laptop and being sad on the couch.
1: And I think that's the whole thing, right? Like it's about, you know, nobody's perfect. And actually a lot of people, like most people are far from it. And, you know, I'm much more willing to give somebody the benefit of the doubt if they care, if they show effort, if they care about something, if they're passionate about something, if mm-hmm. they, you know, uh, not, to, not to not to peel behind the curtain too much, but I know that, like, with this podcast in particular, right, like, I know that you are trying to figure out what Foodie Films is going to become, and I think oh, you've yeah, done such that, exciting things, journey. and you've got such great conversations, and you've had, like, both the first cuts and the, the movie discussions and everything, but I know, like, as, as not frustrated, but as, as like, as you're like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing this week, or what I'm, I'm sort of changing the schedule again, like, I don't mind that, because I know that, to you, like, this matters so much, and as opposed to, like, if you didn't care, like, you know, when I, again, not to, again, peel behind the curtain too much, but, like, when I, whenever, whenever somebody's, like, I want to do a podcast on the network, I'm like, look, two things, hit a deadline, like, set a deadline you want to hit and hit it, and then have it, have good sounding audio, and, like, I just want to make sure you have the passion for that you want to do it, right? And if you were like, "Well, I don't really care," like I'm just sort of half-assing my episodes or whatever, then I would be like, "Well, why are you doing this?" But I know that this means so much to you, and then I'm willing to sort of, you know, give you the benefit of the doubt or whatever because I know that you want this to be the very best, and you're having great conversations, and you're building roads, and you're developing relationships, and it's exciting. Whereas if somebody's just like, "Well, I don't really want to do this. I don't like doing the work," blah, 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 it's like, "Well, what? What's even the point?" And so yeah. I think that in whether it's food or with podcasting or with whatever, I think that if you care and people can see that care and see that passion and see that, you know, just energy, it's worthwhile, you know, and it's, it's, it's a bummer to see people who just like in this movie, just take advantage of you, that you know, you know that your boss is great and that you can sort of maybe scam her for money for the hospital bill. Like, oh, you know, I'm in a bad way. Can you pay my hospital bill? Oh, by the way, it was my boyfriend that I hit. Or like, yeah, you know, her boss, you know, she's done nothing, presumably, but good things for business. And then her boss is like, well, you didn't tell me this one thing, which she was just trying to handle on her own, so I'm going to have to fire you. And just, or, you know, Haley Lou, even like it's sort of innocuously, like I didn't tell you because I thought you'd be mad. Like it's just like little things where it's like you're sort of, it's just kind of a bummer like it's just you you put out such good vibes into the world and then there's a, such a stark difference i think between people like disappointing you and people just sort of failing in ways that you you want to you want to encourage them you know what i mean like i just it's uh it, i think the 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 moral of this rambly mess that i'm babbling here and feel free to edit out whatever you want to edit out is like <laughs> no it's all i it's just all... I just think that it's – the movie feels real because I think it points out how everyone is flawed. And even if you want to be the very best you can be, it's impossible. And I think that even if you give people enough rope, you're only going to give them enough to maybe hang themselves with or hang you with, right? And it's it's just such mm. a difficult task to be put in – especially for this. Like, you know, she's a woman in charge of a bunch of, like, high school, college-age girls, right? Yeah. just They're all – struggling to figure out who they are some are mothers some have more responsibility than others and it's just it sucks and you have know, a girl yeah, wh- who just gets a tattoo of steph curry because she thought he's the greatest of all time and then she can't have that so she's gonna get like it's just like like what kind of dumb decisions are you making like i don't want to have to fire you but you know that i have to fire you
0: well yeah what is it uh, what does she say uh you know at, when they're when she goes when lisa goes with cubby And he says, what's my number one rule? And she goes, no drama. And she's like, I'm dealing with a bunch of, like, you know, young 20-year-old women. She's like, "Yeah." that's like telling them not to breathe. And that's not, you know, that's not her taking a shot and saying, you know, or saying that all women are dramatic. But you know what? Yeah, like, you know, I mean, just... I've never worked in, uh, just, you know, I've never, I've never had like that steady as a freelancer and like I'll work with certain people all the time, but it's just like, I can't, you know, working in that environment, that's going to happen to anybody that, you know, just any, any regular kind of drama. And so for, you know, her to say that she even knows that and Mm -hmm. they try, well, this is actually a good opportunity to play. Like I have one clip I wanted to play and that's just, uh, lisa and macy explaining to the newcomers like what you know kind of about training day so i'll play that clip right now
2: can i ask do you get like grabbed it happens yeah like when someone's super wasted or whatever but it's pretty rare and you can usually tell when something like that's coming you know and just kind of like you know (laughs) let me just say this uh we have a zero tolerance policy on it You know, I don't mind calling the cops if customers committing the crime of sexual assault. And trust me, I don't have to call far because you know what? We have a lot of officers who are regulars. And Officer Dominguez is a cutie, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But seriously, y'all, let me just say, the most important thing is that this is a mainstream place. You know, and it's a family place, which means a lot of families come here, and it also means that we're all family. And yeah, you're not, you know, you're not wearing a, a whole lot of clothes, but trust me, if these guys wanted to go to a strip club, they know where to find them. They just come here so some sweet girls can take good care of them. It's like like working at, at Chili's or Applebee's, except it's more fun and the tips are way better. Usually. If you know how to work it. Okay, so be informed. That's like... She was like, be responsible, it's kind of the same part of that, um... Fuck that. I play better sports than that fag. Oh! <laughs> oh my gosh, you're a badass, huh? Do you want to refill on that big ass beer? hmm So big asses are large size, so I found a good connected moment to pause the conversation, kind of leave him wanting more, right? And, um, you know, sell that beer touch wise a little touch on the shoulder arm area hand that's all good but nowhere else and try not to squeeze because that can get weird uh real weird um yeah and notice how i open my mouth real wide when i laugh like (laughs) yeah that's just like y'all don't have to do that i just find it works really well for me
1: and i think what's difficult about You know, when you're hiring people for a job like this, whether it's retail, whether it's service, whether it's whatever, is that you know just based on the odds that people are going to steal from you, that people are going to not show up for you, that people are not going to care, and yet you just have like this the revolving door, right? Like it's in in retail, like I don't know if it's like it's got to be like a crazy. I think I knew the number at one point, maybe when I was working retail, but like it's a crazy high. Turnover percentage, right? Like you're yeah. gonna have people who like don't leave, but other than that, like it's gonna be like basically all new people every 18 months or something like that, right? Well,
0: the one woman that doesn't stay, she goes. I have four other interviews yep. today. Yeah, like people aren't, you know, this there's there are certain jobs out there that well, I mean, people don't look at as a career, and also you can't look at it as a career because of your you know the income you'd be making from it. Or, or <laughs> well,
1: at my second day. Uh, on my second day at Best Buy, I was like, you know, maybe, maybe this will be my career. Maybe I'll become like an assistant manager and the manager. And then on day three, I was like, oh no, that's not going to happen. Like yes. just, like, <laughs> like, there's that, there's that moment where you're like, oh, I could see myself like working up the corporate rank and then, you know, yeah. running a store and then going to corporate and like, you know, basically working up, you know, Best Buy corporate. And, like there's, there's an actual path. There's a trajectory there. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. Like, no, retail's miserable. Like, I don't want to put like, you know, Everybody, you know, I feel like everybody should work retail. Everybody should work service so that if if nothing else, they know how to treat people in those jobs. But if you don't have to, if you have an education, if you have the opportunities, if you have the drive, and not saying that, like, you know, working, being a manager of anything is bad because they get paid well and they're respected and, like, you know, it's a living. It's a comfortable living. Like, the money that, like, you know, even store managers were making at Best Buy when I was working there was, like, oh, like, that's more than I'm making now. You know what I mean? But, like – if you have the ability to sort of, like, I went to school for journalism, I feel like, why did I go to college to then work Best Buy Retail for 18 years? You know what I mean? It's just like, if, you, if you're if you able to do more, and you have that drive, go for it. But again, it's just, it's a, it's a tough world, a tough environment when you have kids who are just like, this is not gonna be my career, I just need a way to make a couple hundred bucks a week, or whatever, you know, whatever, for yeah. the next couple of years, and then I'm going to get my quote-unquote real job, right? And it's, it's tough, cause even like the people who matter to her, like the the, the chef. The chef you know,
0: Arturo, yeah. That's who, I was just gonna say they have a robbery in this film, and she feels she's she. I mean, Lisa does a nice thing. She you know recognizes, and the cop asks her like, "Oh, did you recognize that guy's face?" She says no to him, and we have an idea that she is lying to him. Yeah. Uh, and then she goes up to Arturo and says like, "I know that was your cousin." And we just get a hint that like Arturo has been going through some tough shit recently, and she says like you just you're gonna have to quit like I'm not gonna fire you
1: yeah and in spite of that like there's so many things that she could like in, the, in no not to bring this again back to Best Buy, but like the one thing that my, our general manager at Best Buy, like the, the guy who was running our store was like, he's like, I will tolerate a lot of stuff. Like, you know, if you if you get sick, if you can't show up, whatever, like I get that, like shit happens. He's like, my number one thing is do not steal from me. If you steal from me, you're dead to me. Like if yeah. you steal from our store, like this is, as, again, like this is your family. Don't steal from your family. And mm-hmm. while we were there, we had a handful of, like in the year I was there, we had like three or four employees who were fired for theft. Like whether it's stealing money or stealing product or whatever, because people are like, oh, I know exactly how to do this. Like, I have the key. I can get out of here, whatever. And like, no, you're going to get caught. And I think in that regard, Regina Hall's character, Lisa could be like, you're dead to me. Like you're gone. I don't ever want to see you again. I don't want to talk to you again. But I think because she treats it like a family and she knows these people, and even though we don't, this is not this is not a movie about Arturo, but we know enough about him to know that there's sort of a reason, other than he's just greedy, right? But like, mm-hmm. she's like, you can use me as a reference, you can, you know, have people like, I'm gonna have you, like, you're not gonna be fired, like it's not gonna, you don't have to tell people whatever, you know what I mean? Like, there's little moments like that that just show her genuine kindness, and where she thinks that she doesn't have to be doing, and yet in spite of that, people still can't help but take advantage of her, because they're like, oh you know, she's a softie, we can get one over on her or whatever.
0: Yeah, just the, between the the core trio of, uh, you know, Regina and Haley Lou, and then uh, I think it's Shayna McHale or McHaley, um, which she hasn't been in a lot of stuff, and that definitely brings... She, she you know, as, as the character of Danielle, and she just brought that, you know, definitely that mumblecore vibe to it. She just felt so real out of, you know, I mean, because she, I mean, maybe she doesn't have the credit or the name recognition that of uh, Regina or Haley, but, but she just had such a real vibe to her and felt like I've met that person before. And she, while I, get, I mean you know she wasn't dealing with a lot of drama in the movie she had you know the key points of dealing with that you know audio video guy and then just having just all these all these little moments throughout the film and she she's kind of like our plus she's a mom it's, yeah exactly plus she yeah she is the, the active mom that we see in the movie. I think Lisa says that she has two kids that are grown up because then it's a very awkward scene where so I I guess she was trying to get Cameron to move out. Right, and so she was looking at that place specifically for him, or were they just so. looking for that place for the two of them? I was a little confused by that scene when you know he picks I, her up, and then they she's like, "Oh well, let's go look in an apartment," and she's saying that it would be only them, but then go says something about like it being just him. So I, I think they're
1: yeah. on the verge of a divorce, or they're separating, yeah. or whatever. And she's I don't know why she has to help, but even he's like you can see sort of why, and again it's hinted at throughout the movie, and I think we might even talked about it before, but, like, you can see why she's so good and she's so pure and she's so driven and focused and wants to be motherly and supportive, but mm-hmm. he's like, sorry you can't cross this off your list. Like, I feel like that relationship, like, you're not saying that's a bad thing, but he was just driven away. And I think that was, like, a nice, like, I think, again, that could have been maybe a little bit more clear, but I think the fact that he's like, sorry, you can't cross this off your list, like, he's just annoyed by the fact that everything has to be, like, a task to her, right?
0: Like, yeah, yeah. He was, I mean, he was, like, polite to the real estate agent, said, like, sorry for bothering you, you know, or waste, wasting your time. This isn't something we're going to do today. And then he said, like, the two big things, well, he no, he says to her, yeah, like, the checking off your list, and then she kind of says, you know, like, I deal with, I deal in the business of sad guys all day. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, when she said that, I'm like, just, you know, from a guy's perspective, I'm like, that's the last thing he wants to hear. Whether it's the, <laughs> like with, it's true, I mean, it definitely does still. Yes, it definitely you know it definitely sounds like the truth. It da- sounds like he's a sad sack. So I don't you know we don't know there is a lot of ambiguity to uh, with with the uh, you know character of uh, Arturo or with Cameron that we don't know exactly what situation they're in right now. We know his daughter's in college. Uh, we know that they've been, him and Lisa have been you know are married or you know to get together or whatever. Uh, And, but maybe he's been fired and he's just sitting in front of the laptop and trying to find jobs. Like we don't, we don't know. Uh, But all we know is that, yeah, he is kind of being a sad sack and she's just not, I mean, you know, while being very caring, not separating her work from her personal life enough. Is there any other uh, specific scenes? Or I have one other note to... that I want to make is that Please. they're
1: doing the car wash that Cubby does not know about. And they're sort of trying to do it under the radar a little bit. She's like, oh, yeah, training exercise. We do this all the time, blah, 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 whatever. And she goes out there and she's like, this is what we're like. Just be vague about it. Like, we're not raising money for this one employee. It's just like for general, you know, rainy day fund or whatever she yeah, says. yeah. And yeah. she goes out there and Dylan Galula is like, the, you know, the new hire says something along the lines of like, you know, should we lie? Like, I think we could take advantage. She's like, I'm totally like a marketing major, and you know, she's like, "Well, I told the guy like the guy. This one guy asked, you know, is this for boob jobs for all the girls?" And I said yes, and gave me 50 bucks. And Regina Hall, like all the time, has basically been like, "No, no, no, like don't do this. Like, don't lie to them." And she's like, "Well, well, I, you know, I, I guess that's okay." Like, just like I just yeah. love that like moment of like. <laughs> Well, you know, I guess it's, it's harmless enough, right? Like, it's, yeah, you know, whatever. If he wants to give us 50 bucks because, like, he thinks we're going to have bigger boots. Like, what? It's just, like, dumb, you know, whatever. I just love her sort of reversal in that moment of, like, oh, you know, yeah, I guess yeah, just do your thing. Like, I think on the grand scale of things that she wants to deal with, like, this is so low on the list that, like, she would rather them be vague and sort of be like, oh, yeah, just, just in case. But also dealing with a husband who's walking out on her or whatever, or dealing with, you know, McRae in there or dealing with Cubby and dealing with this and dealing with that. And like, just, just fine. Do your thing. I just love that little, like, eh, all right, I guess. It's okay.
0: Oh yeah. She, I mean, she had a very similar scene later than with Macy when Macy's talking to the, the professor and then she's like, listen, like, I don't want to say it you know, like, show a bad precedent or set a bad precedent for the girls that, like, stuck around to help that day, and then Macy goes like, oh, I was talking to him, and he's got, you know, lawyer friends, and, he, you know, he said he knows someone that could help out Shaney. And she's like, oh, really? She's like, and then she goes like, you know, you're the best! <laughs> and it's just, these are just women, you know, people that are working with what they got, and in, in this situation that they've put in, or for some of them, like, you know, some have, cho- you know, are choosing to be in again with the, you know, Shaney has this moment that she could have this clear break from this guy, but she's unfortunately, you know, stuck in this abusive relationship. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it's a. Uh, I, so I I want to thank you for bringing this movie to my attention. because It was a very. I rented it on Amazon, so you can you know foodies, you can rent it on uh, Amazon right now. I think also like on Vudu and other things. Another like nice thing, I think it's only ninety have... minutes. Ooh.
1: It's ninety minutes, including the credits yeah. that you said you stayed. Like it's it doesn't overstay its welcome. It I think it flies by. I think yeah. A movie no, really that doesn't does. have it's... a ton of plot. That's more basically just a character study yes. of Celia Hall's character. Like it flies by.
0: It doesn't have a ton of plot, it's primarily in one location, yeah, and it just, it's got a great, great pace to it that I was, you know, I mean, I saw the length before I started the movie, but yeah, it was... Yeah, had a great pace to it, and like you said, I watched it throughout. You know the whole, the whole credits, and uh, I just thoroughly enjoyed this movie. So it's definitely worth a watch. I think also if you have Hulu, you can watch it for free on Hulu. I do oh, not have cool.
1: Hulu. Currently. Yeah, I bought the Blu-ray. This is one of those ones that I rented last year, and I was like, oh no, I love it. I mean, I, obviously you know. I know some of the listeners if they have heard you talk about either seeing butter on my shelves, or you hear you and Brian talk about it or whatever, but I own a lot of movies, so it's not like rare, it's not like I own 20 movies, and this is one of them, but this is one of those ones where I was like, oh, I want to watch, I want to own this just so that I can always watch it whenever I want to watch it.
0: Definitely. Oh, and one last little thing I want to say, it's not a little thing, it's a big thing, is that Regina Hall won the New York Film Critics Circle Award for best actress and she was the first african-american to do so for this role i mean she got a lot of praise for this role deservingly so sure um and really just a tremendous you know role that she portrayed and uh same thing again with Halle lou and uh shana uh, and just a, a Great movie, and definitely movie that I plan on recommending to, all, obviously, everyone that's listening here and plenty more people, and uh, I would have no problem just sitting down and watching it again right now.
1: And I will also say that Andrew Bajalski, the director, has two other movies that I think are relatively acquirable, uh, mm-hmm. even this weird-as-hell movie, Computer Chest, that I saw once in an airport on the way back from a trip in Vegas for work. So okay. I need to give that movie another se- a second shot, but it is weird-as-hell uh, but also good, and then he did a movie a couple years ago called Results, which I really liked, and it's more, again, sort of a character study, kind of like a smaller, more intimate movie about like a personal trainer and sort of that kind of world-ish, but this guy, as far as I'm concerned, three for three in good movies, sort of smaller movies, I would imagine that like all three movies combined maybe cost five or ten million dollars to make like in total, like I don't know what the actual budget, but like they're all small movies, you know what I mean, yes, so yeah. if you like this one, if you want to know more or whatever, check out Computer Chess and check out Results, uh, both great, and this one, obviously, I think my favorite, but really, really great.
0: Well, you heard it here, people, the, the godfather of the Cage Club Podcasting uh, Network recommending, you know, the work of the godfather of Mumblecore. So, there you go. <laughs> Again. Uh, well, moving on, I sent you an email with uh, three links in it. Uh, they are all very appropriate for the work that you do in the network. So uh, you'll, you'll select one at random.
1: So I wish like, I could do it at random, but I will be honest and upfront with you that my Gmail showed me a preview of what these were, so I know uh, what they are, okay, unfortunately. Cool. I, should, I should have just steered clear of my email, but I looked just to make sure that I got the email in time.
0: Well, I, and... I, should, have, I should have done it the way I did last time and sent it as separate emails.
1: But it's, it's okay. Have, uh, yeah. Let's go with number
0: one. Number one, okay. yeah. you know, if, I, had a, I had a feeling that <laughs> if, like if I gave I mean, you the option, that's the one you would have went for. I
1: love... Like number two is funny, and number three is something that I quote all the time. Uh-huh. But I, I I gotta go number one.
0: Yes, yes. So well, you know, before we're, so we're not. Uh, let's let's mention the three, and then okay. uh, we'll we'll play the, you know the first one, and then obviously talk about that one. So the the three clips. Please please tell the foodies out there which three clips I sent you. So number two, the one that
1: I think is really funny. Is, I'm assuming it's the one because I didn't I didn't watch the clip, but it's from The Weatherman Man with Nicolas Cage, where he is yes. just getting food. I'm assuming it's the one where he has food thrown at him while he's on the. You Yeah, raid. the Wendy's
0: Frosty, yes, <laughs>
1: <laughs> which is wonderful. I mean, this is if you want to talk about like a depressing movie that has some moments of levity, like The Weather Man. Who boy, that's oh a dark movie. Oh my
0: god, when Mike when they have like the living funeral for oh. Michael Caine mm-hmm. while he's still the, alive, yeah, well, yeah, exactly, yeah, and the like uh, a rock, Bob, Bob Seger, like yep. a rock, yeah,
1: oh. Brutal. So that was that one, um and then number three, which is the one that I always quote, which actually is tied into number one, because a lot of people say number one is sort of a spiritual remake of number three. But it's in yeah. Point Break where Johnny Utah and Gary Busey, where Keanu and Gary Busey are out in a car and they're waiting to see the bank robbers, and then you know it's like ten thirty in the morning, and Gary Busey tells Keanu to go get him a meatball sub, and then on the way out it goes Utah, get me two. Yeah, make it two. But the uh, it's just important so, uh,
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, of they're of all important, is,
1: but yes. the important one, from the original, from the OG, 2001, the Fast and the Furious, the barbecue scene.
0: Yes, so, without further ado, the barbecue scene. Mia! All right, the chicken is
2: fried. Right. Right. You? Oh, right. oh. yeah. <laughs> hey, because you were the first out of everybody here to reach in to get the chicken... You say grace.
0: Dear heavenly, uh... Spirit. Spirit, thank you. Uh, thank you for providing us with the direct port nitrous, uh, injection, four-core intercoolers, and ball-bearing turbos, and, um, titanium valve springs. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Not that. Thanks
2: to the card gods, man.
0: <laughs> He's not the best.
2: Yeah, what do you want? Uh, practice. practice.
0: Thank you, girl. Look who it is.
2: Old Coyotes are us. <laughs> I thought you weren't hungry, Pumpkin. You know I gotta eat. He's always hungry.
0: All right, sit down. Who doesn't love a good family dinner? And this is, you know. Of course. I think there was actually on the uh, when I guess it on the f- first 2 Fast 2 Furious uh, you know episode that I was on for Fast 5 Too Fast and during... Forever please Wait, what did I just say? Too fast, too furious. Oh, I'm sorry. We, do we
1: used too to do it all the fu- time yes. too. So by all, by no means is that a first time. Like we finally yes, too think, the Too Fast to Forever, where Joe and I are like, oh no, we know what the show is called. But like for a while, we we're like, oh yeah, you know, Too Fast, Too Furious. We're like, oh, oh wait, no, that's not
0: us. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so Too Fast to Forever, and I was on. Uh, forgive me. What lap was this? Lap. You were on lap four. Four. Yes. yes. And for Fast Five, a movie that I did not enjoy the first time, and now it's my favorite in the series. Yeah. So there you go um and uh, you have a uh you know a question section at the end and i and i actually got it right uh which was of the what you what what, i forget exactly what the how you phrased the question but it was what the punishment or oh yes 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 what well, the punishment is if you are yeah. the
1: first person to take a uh, food, a bite of food from the barbecue? Yeah. What you do you to want to do. say, Grace? Say grace, yes.
0: Which is, uh, I think, just a great value right there. You know, that's a great thing to do. Well, let's talk about this scene sure. and what this means in the franchise and just what you know, <laughs> what you know. Let's get, yeah, let's get into it. Well, so what I love about this, the first thing that it made
1: me think of is that as we are going through, we are actually now at the tail end of lap four. We are about to transition into lap five when this comes out. Um, actually, no. Though we're still going to be in the heart of lap four. We're going to have another couple episodes in lap four, but you know, the same lap that you were on. We uh, we're still in, but with the start of lap four, Joe and I started doing the Fast and the Furious minute, where there's other podcasts like the Star Wars minute that go that do their entire episode is a minute by minute breakdown of a movie, right? Okay. <laughs> and so I was I was selling Joe on this idea, and I was like, I want to do this with the Fast and the Furious, and I think he was interested in it. I think he was interested in it, but he didn't know exactly how it was going to work or how it would sort of shape out or, you know, come out or whatever. And I finally had the idea, like, let's just do one minute per episode. So before, like, before you come on, before the guest joins us to talk about the movie, Joe and I do an opening segment that's usually like an hour long of reading emails that we get of, you know, just catching up with our lives or whatever. And one of the things that we've started doing in that each week, each episode is the Fast and the Furious minute. And so we're a minute minute-by-minute breakdown. So we're about 11 or 12 minutes in right now as this episode comes out. But what I'm excited about by this clip is that this is a two-minute scene, so we're going to have two full, or maybe even, like, and it's over two minutes, we're going to have, like, two, three minutes about this barbecue, and I love that. Like, I love, I am mean, yeah. we're going to go into crazy detail about this, you know, much later, because we're still, you know, 12 minutes in, we haven't even gotten to the first race yet, but there's a there's a lot more to do. But I can't wait to get to this part in the Fast and Furious minute.
0: This this scene, I actually so after uh, uh, you know I watched you know Fast Five for for the episode that I was on, and then from that I just I um, have watched up through I watched the, then the first the f- first four again, and I do and I agree with you guys. Told me on that episode because I think I uh, I said that four was my least favorite. And it does mean a lot more now, definitely, after rewatching them. Well, that's
1: also what's exciting, and that's something that we've been talking about. Uh, we watched Hobbs and Shaw because it just came out in theaters, and then Joe and I recorded an episode of Furious 7. And now we're about to record an episode as we're, as you and I are talking, we're about to do this week, the episode we're going to record is Fate of the Furious. And I feel like Hobbs and Shaw put seven and eight in like a brand new perspective because of the way that Shaw and because of the way that Hobbs and because of the way that in, in, in theory, maybe Cypher 2 all sort of connect into the greater universe. Then I think 4, as time goes on, you know, the, the, the series does a great job of retrofitting. So even though 4, like we talk about a lot, you know, you were not uncommon in your idea that like people didn't really like 4 but i feel like after the fact 4 gets a lot of praise in retrospect because it does exciting things and it's kind of in ways a soft reboot of this first movie that we're talking about
0: definitely and i mean this scene just set a good precedent for then what the 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 biggest theme of the franchise became which is family you know? mm-hmm. And so I love that we've got Dom and Brian showing up together and then just the look on Vince's face. And also <laughs> when rewatching the first one, I'm like, just looking at like the outfits that everyone's wearing, I'm like, oh, my God, this is so like, you know, be- I, I always make the argument I know it's not an original thought that like every decade the previous decade is still like in the first couple of years and so just seeing what they what they're wearing I'm like this is so early you know, so, so 90s slash then like you know the early 2000s like Vince just looks like he's <laughs> like he wears like dominatrix like <laughs> yeah <laughs> a lot of fish weird, a lot like, of mesh in this a movie lot of mesh. yeah exactly it's like that's what's tough uh, and then i think dodgeball got rid of that when they mistakenly have to wear like the, the that kind of outfits instead of their uh, traditional garb but anyway uh, just the i love the barbecue and they're cooking on like the, you know the big grill the half like the like the oil tank uh, and yeah, just I mean, you know, just the simplicity of this scene of this movie that in comparison to the rest of the franchise. It's just so Yeah, I mean, what are they what are they stealing from the trucks again? DVD players? Uh, DVD players. Like I mean, cuz yeah, they go it's just <laughs> I mean, yeah, like like you said the kind of the remake of Point Break. And soon, and quite possibly, right? I mean it's pretty it's pretty known at this point that like Keanu should be joining the franchise. Like has it been officially said? I know the director no. was like So okay. where
1: we're at right now is that he was supposed to apparently appear in Hobbs and Shaw. But yes. He and the director David Leach and also he sat down with The Rock and they both like both conversations wanted to make sure that if Keanu joins the franchise, they do it in a way that sort of is worthy of his time and I felt mm-hmm. like they already had mostly the script fleshed out for Hobbs and Shaw, and so they didn't want to just sort of jam him in there somewhere and then be like, oh, he'll be back later. Like, I think they want to make sure that whenever he joins the franchise, if he does, please, please let him join the franchise, that they want to make sure that the first movie he's in has a substantial part for him. So it seems like, its I think we'd say it's better than 50-50 that he will, but it's not quite, it's not significantly better. Like, he's not officially announced. And, yes, yeah. But we know that there's going to be... Fast Nine and Fast and Furious Ten, and probably a Hobbs and Shaw Two and a female spin off and like all those different Shaw stuff, right? separate movie, yep, I Shaw separate movie. Yep, yeah. Shaw separate movie, yep. So every, there's there's a lot of potential for him to be in there, and I feel like what the what the franchise does well, not only ramping up the action, but also adding in big names, and I feel like there's not that much more room to go. But I also think it's kind of funny just to sort of diversify for a second that like every franchise is like how can we get Keanu in here like it feels like also every day like you know I still have a google alert because of Keanu club because of the Keanu podcast that Mike and I did but like every day it's basically like well what about for this Marvel movie like could he be in Guardians could he be the Moon Knight could he be this and I'm just like everybody, yeah <laughs> everybody wants Keanu like hey we were there before anybody like before he re-emerged as John Wick as like this you know aged action star, right, that is, like, willing to be, like, kind of the butt of a joke and take a hit and all this different stuff, but also be cool as hell, we were there. And so, you know,
0: remember that. It's it's paying off. I mean, he's, he's being put in some pretty fantastic movies, yeah. so. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say about this scene, about just the whole you know, family and the barbecue. And, I mean, you, are you trying... Is that what you're trying to bring to your Cage Club barbecues, too? The ones A little bit. I mean, I, I, yeah. I
1: kick it off for sure with the corona.
0: With the corona? Yeah, exactly. How could we not... I'm, I'm, forgive me for not just saying corona from the beginning. That's just... That's what Dom is all about. And I don't think... I don't, it doesn't feel like, I mean like corona had stakes in this movie no they didn't <laughs> it sponsor just...
1: it that the the story behind that was that this is the corona was the corona was the beer that the people in the scene like in the racing scene in southern california drank
0: oh and they, so they were so, so, brought, so like authentic the authenticity to it yeah
1: in trying to recapture what that feels like that they had that like they had all the right parts and all the right beers and all this different stuff and if you talk to people, like, there's kind of a, a divide. Like People generally, I think if they like one of these movies, they like all the movies. But there's a divide between people who like the first three, which are clearly more about the cars, yes. and then four is a pivot point, and then people who like five and beyond, which are more about action than cars. Like There's still cool Divice. car stuff and everything yeah. like that. But there's like this sense of like early on, these are movies that care about the culture that I'm a part of, the world that I'm a part of, tuner culture, whatever, They even have the beer right, this is a movie for me.
0: Yeah, I mean it clearly shows even through the you know the grace that is said I mean I forget the exact quote of uh all the different parts and all the things that he's thankful for but that's just it, it is just i mean watching I mean the the, the first one in, I, I don't know well it, it, going off of the first three which ones in the ranking of like it's about cars I almost feel like one three two um you've got tej and sukie and in the second I would one. say yeah
1: one three two I think but like in comparisons the later ones two is still much more than any of the other ones but yeah I think two oh, is yeah, also yeah. two is also where it sort of sort of starts getting wacky like they have like the boats and they have you know all the different stuff and I feel like they're sort of branching out that way but one is very firmly about the cars three is about the drifting of the cars and like that's specifically there in Tokyo and then yeah. two is still car heavy but not as much as the other two
0: it's, uh, I, I'm, I still, well, I still need to, I unfortunately read the, uh, the spoiler cameos of Hobbs and Shaw, but that's not going to keep me from seeing it. I do need to still go see it in theaters though. Yeah. I wish I could have seen it with you guys. I know there was a family outing. Well,
1: to go. don't worry. Cause literally every year for maybe forever, we will have another family outing to go see another one of these movies. Cause they're not going to stop coming out. So like next May, block it off. I think May 22 or something it comes out. So but the night before We'll go see it. So just block your calendar. The date is out there. Another family field trip to see Fast and Furious Fast Nine.
0: Did you guys grab any food together? We
1: did have four? dinner at a little restaurant you might know called the Cheesecake Factory, which was funny. Oh. And then we got drinks at uh, TGI Fridays, another cool little indie spot. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah. You didn't
0: go. You didn't go a double whammy. No, unfortunately, we did not go to double whammies. Okay. Well, um, one little thing I like to do for repeat get, or for the second uh, time someone comes on is yeah. I have a, I have a question, and uh, I believe Mister Manzi answered it with Nicholas Cage. So I, I, you know, while that's you know interesting, uh, if if you say the same, feel free to do so. Oh, the who dream, the dream dinner guest, right? Yes. Who would be your dream dinner guest? Past, present. I don't know if future makes sense, but future? Huh? <laughs> uh, who, yeah, who would you, like, you could have, you know, a good sit-down meal with, any any meal. Even even go into detail of what meal you would like to have with them. But uh, please, uh, wh- who do you think? So
1: as I was listening to that
0: episode, I think that was maybe
1: the diner episode. Um, yes. And I don't know how I still, so, so there is, side note for a second, there is... There was the Axe commercial, I think, that was, like, scent is the strongest sense tied to memory. And, like, basically, like, smell good and she'll remember you. Like, dumb shit like that, right? <laughs> but I remember there's something about me and, like, podcasts, like, specifically like listening to conversations. Like, especially good conversations. Like, I I this is going to be a compliment. I know that like all, all, all I'm, I'm phrasing the front, all of the conversation you've had on here are good, but I feel like there's certain ones that are like better. And I think that, you know, the big Fat Greek wedding, like I told you, like, I love that episode. I think a lot of your first cut are really great, but there's something like when you and Mike or you and Brian get on and just like, there's a, there's the rapport there. And I felt like the diner one, I was like, Oh, this is a great conversation. And I remember unlike scent being the strongest sense tied to memory I have this weird brain thing, I guess. I remember where I was. Like, If I'm driving and listening to a podcast that I'm enjoying, I'll be able oh, to I'm remember yeah. where I was while listening. I remember I was coming back from a Christmas party. Or no, it was a Thanksgiving weekend party um, that was just like a housewarming that turned into a surprise wedding. They pulled a uh, April oh, and Andy. Wow. And I remember coming home, and I remember on the way there and on the way back – hearing you guys talk about Diner, and so as I'm driving, and you ask Mike that question, he kind of hems and haws a little bit. I'm like, dude, there's one very obvious answer. And he finally gets there. He's like, oh, Nicolas Cage. I was like, yeah, finally. But I'm like, I'm yelling, like, you know, there's a lot of people that, like, a podcast talk about, like, people yelling at their radio, like, I can't believe they're yeah. not talking about this, they don't remember, blah, blah, blah. And I'm there like, dude, like, come on, man. And then he gets the right answer in the end, but I was like, yeah, of course it's Nicolas Cage. But I think to... Um, to give, a, to give a different answer, because I think that is my answer, but to sort of mix it up a little bit, I would say Paul Walker. No. like Paul I think Walker. again, in the grand scheme of things, is he the most important person I could talk to? No, but I think that he would be. He just seemed like a good guy. Obviously, I love him in the in the Fast and Furious movies, and. There's this new theory that Brian's friend, Kate Hudson, who we found for High School Slumber Party, right over Bajiba, and she was on our Furious 7 episode. And she's got some really interesting theories about how the franchise shifted in the wake of his death. And I would love Mm. to sort of pick his brain in a kind way. Like, hey, remember when you died? Uh, I've got (laughs) got questions about that. But like, I want to sort of know the sort of the behind the scenes thing. Like, I think, like, it's not. Gonna happen, but it's not inconceivable that one day Joe and I could, in theory, like interview Vin Diesel, right? Like, it's not going to happen. I know that, but it's not crazy. Like, if that yeah. happened, I'd be like, "Oh, that's awesome!" But that's also like kind of, in a way, what we're working toward,
0: right? You never know. I mean, all it takes is, I mean, the right place in the right time or the right, you know. The, we yeah, need the our right... Pat Lafrida of the Fast and Furious world. Yes, exactly. And then, because <laughs> like once my, we get one, we'll get everybody. Father. But
1: yes, Paul Walker, somebody that we could never for obvious reasons, interview we've never talked to. And I think that in a dream scenario, this thing that we are so passionate about, that we care so much about, I would love to sort of pick his brain and just learn a little bit more about that.
0: Yeah, I would love to hear from him what he thinks, especially, I do find it a bit ironic, the shade that's being thrown around by the different actors, especially now with the spinoff, given the fact that it's all, you know, the, you know, the big theme of family, and just hearing... You know, there's been, between, what, Tyrese tweeting about, I guess it wasn't, Hobson Schultz didn't, wasn't as big as people, you yeah, know, but was hoping yeah. for it to be, and Michelle Rodriguez kind of saying something about, what, was his name Chris Morgan, the writer? Yes. Um... Yeah, just, you know, a lot of, I mean, which, hey, that's going to happen in Hollywood and with actors and with egos with anybody, Uh, but just, you know, yeah, that that shift too, maybe not just in story, but like possibly the personalities and just seeing, because he just, yeah, Paul Walker just had that such a, just, obviously obviously I did not know him, but just Mm -hmm. seemed like such a genuinely kind guy and just was the soul of, uh, that franchise, in my opinion, and um, yeah, so it feels you know there definitely is a void there in you know in the eighth uh, entry, and I'm just kind of curious how they'll address it because you know uh, what Jordana Brewster's coming back, and so how just they'll yeah. take care of all that. So that would be you know that would be a very fascinating uh, conversation. So. And Maybe then, when you're like leaving the cheesecake factory with him, then you'd run into Mike leaving a, a diner with <laughs> Cage, and the four of you could hang out. Yeah, and then we could. Uh, yeah, that would be that be it, that would be
1: the dream. All four of us. Whew.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, Joey, thank you so much for uh, making this happen and of course. Uh, introducing me. To support the girls and obviously all the hard work you do for the network. It is uh, clear the to me and ma- and many others. It, it, I mean, that, that's I'm obviously happy to hear that. I know you wouldn't just be doing it just out of a, uh, you know, hey, we're not making any money from it. So, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. So please, right now, tell the foodies, uh, you know, everything about the network and just all our, you know, ways to contact and, you know, because big thing that I'm trying to remind people now as, uh, as you guys do, as Brian does. And just, I, for some reason I didn't always say it <laughs> on these beginning episodes is, The clear things of liking, sharing, Mm -hmm. commenting, but that's, that's, that's how you guys can help us out the most and obviously means a lot when we see you guys do that. So please right now tell them where they can do so.
1: So we put out about 40 to 50 episodes of different podcasts each month. We have 25 shows, not all active in production right now, but we put out between 40 and 50 episodes per month. Basically every weekday there's a new episode at least, if not two or three or more, um, my shows, you can get everything at cageclub.me or wherever you get foodie films. So iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you want to get that. They're all subscribable at all those places. Um, my shows every other Tuesday, although right now we're in a stretch of like a 10-week stretch where it's every week. Every other Tuesday, Too Fast, Too Forever, the Fast and Furious podcast, which we were talking about with the famous food scene. Go check that out. Kyle was on this lap. We had a whole lap with your past multiple repeat guests. Mike Manzi did the ride-along lap he will be on also again very shortly for the third time, I guess, So second and a half time that we're talking about Hobbs and Shaw, so he'll be on again soon. Uh, Your buddy Brian's on once a lap, so that's pretty cool. Every Thursday now, we are putting out a new Ryan Gosling Boyfriend Material podcast. Mm, Joe and Daddy I are sort of burning through the rest of those, because that has the schedule of that has changed more than the schedule of this has changed. Like We went from a monthly show to every three months to now weekly, and we are just burning <laughs> off the rest of those. Wow. So yeah. go check that out every Thursday. And then every Friday, Mike and I do the Tom Tom Club, alternating Tom Cruise and Tom Hanks, two different podcast feeds. Uh, you were just on a recent episode of Turner and Hooch. Yeah, Brian Rodriguez. So that episode will have come out last week, I believe, as this comes out. So go check that out. You're also on our cocktail episode. and You'll be on at least one more uh, coming up. But yeah, Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks. I am loving the Cruise side of it. Tom Hanks side of it is uh, a little trying, a little troubling. But we are about to turn the corner and get to his peak 90s stuff. And I could not be more excited to do that.
0: Yeah, you got a lot of stuff to look (laughs) <laughs> forward to ahead in his career, to you know, to say the least. So, that'll definitely be good. And uh, yeah, so well, uh, if you could remind, you know that you know the phrase. So if you could remind the foodies, that there's more to cut. Thank you very much, Joey.
1: Yummy, yummy, yummy. I got love in my tummy.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Let's go get some meatball subs. Get me too.
2: Yummy, yummy, yummy! I got love in my tummy, and I feel like I'm loving you. Love you's such a sweet thing, good enough to eat. Thing, and it's just a while.